Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name is Guy Dunlap from Guy Shop, and as always, with me today are my co-host, JJ Nathan. Say hello, guys. Hello. 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 And we do depend on your questions for this podcast, so if you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and send it on to us. And we also have a Patreon. We only have one level right now. We are simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to worldwidewebpatreon.com forward slash perfect first layer. And like I said, please send questions in. Uh, we really need them and we really want this, this podcast to succeed. And I think that's really going to help us out. So let's talk about what we have going on in our labs or shops right now. Nathan, what do you have going on? Well, I just got back from vacation and my shop's a mess, so I, I've got to spend some time cleaning up. But aside from that, I've got the Bamboo Labs P1P in for review. Nice. I just bought one. They didn't uh, want to send me one for some reason. <laughs> so uh, I, I just figured I'd buy it and check it out because so many people are interested in it. And it's been sure. a pretty fun experience trying it out. Um, the... It's not quite as much of a miracle printer as I thought it would be based on the way everyone's talking about it, but it is quite an advancement in terms of hardware design. So I think it'll be, um, it's a good change to have in the 3D printing community because yeah. basically for the last maybe three years, we had Creality come out with the Ender 3, which was like kind of a revolutionary printer in terms of the amount of value they brought to a lower price point, having like excellent print quality for really cheap as something cool. But since then, we've just seen hundreds of companies, it seems, just come out of the woodworks and try and copy what Creality has done. And there hasn't been really any evolution or change or increase in quality over that time period. So I'm really happy to see Bamboo Labs come out with something new. It's more in the line with something like a Voron, in my opinion, in terms of the, the quality of the design. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get the AMS? I got the AMS, which I'll be checking out in a separate video. Uh, first, I okay. want to just get my impressions of the machine as a base machine. That's, that's fair enough. So what do you have going on, JJ? Yeah. So ton of upgrades, a uh, ton of printing for YouTube shorts. I just fully upgraded the King Rune KP3S and it's super fast, super high quality now. Um, still needs a little tuning. And then I, next week I'll get in the P1P from Bamboo Labs will be showing up hopefully next week sometime. Oh, nice. So that'll be interesting to compare notes after I can get it up and running. Um, so yeah, a lot of printing, a lot of upgrading here in the shop. Yeah. Well, good. We're going to talk more about the Bamboo Lab in a, in a little bit. But uh, first, I want to take a question from one of our listeners. And this is from Xavier in Los Angeles. And he asks, or says, or states, however you want to look at it, I really want to speed up my printing. I have an Ender 3 V2 and it's still a stock printer. What are some good upgrades for me? What are the problems that can arise with equipment as I speed things up? Do I need to replace the stock hot end and control board? I know a lot of, I know that's a lot of questions. However, I think that it'll be cool if you guys could discuss this and help a newbie out. And that is a lot of questions. And I think we've covered some of the stuff before, but I think if we can 
break it down into steps. You know, let's do this, get that squared away, then do this, get that squared away, and how that is an advantage to have on there, not just because I can mod it, but what the, the benefit is. And really, how do we get the speed up on that machine and still get good prints? Okay, so that is a lot of questions from Xavier. And I think that let's start with JJ. Uh, yeah. Do you have an Ender 3B2 or have ever, ever had no. one? No, I've never had an Ender 3 in general, um, mm -hmm. but I've got it pulled up here looking at it. Um, so, so in terms of speed, what, what, what would be the first thing you would do to upgrade that machine to get a little bit more speed out of it? Mm -hmm. I feel like Nathan would maybe be better for first, for, I don't know, first things you would do to this printer. Um, Cause I would probably throw a clipper on there and mm -hmm. that might not be a best first option for a beginner to try out. Well, yeah, I can chime in. So like, let's say you have a budget of a hundred dollars and you mm -hmm. want to increase this thing's speed. I think if we put some constraints on it, that might, we might get some more interesting help, solutions because, yeah. uh, I know JJ was definitely eager to put Clipper on there, but I'm not sure, you know, what how that affects the budget of the machine. Mm -hmm. It might be like a forty dollar or a sixty dollar thing, um, but I'll let him get into that when when he's ready. But um, so for me, I would probably upgrade to a Volcano hot end. That's what I did in one of my first mm -hmm. 3D printer modding videos. It was with the Ender 3v2 and. Just putting the Volcano hot end on there was able to increase my speeds about 50 to 100% hmm. because you can just push more plastic through. Kind of the modern interpretation of that upgrade is instead of changing out the whole hot end and putting in that longer melt zone nozzle is to just install a CHT nozzle, which is the one that splits the filament path up into three different holes and recombines it and basically that just lets it melt the plastic faster so that's a nice easy $20 upgrade that you can throw in there um, but I actually did some testing with this specific upgrade and it turns out you don't get the most out of the CHT nozzle until you put a direct drive extruder on your printer mm -hmm. so ideally I would want to put on a direct drive extruder um, some kind of upgrade kit to move the extruder from its position like it's up towards the top left of the machine you want to put it directly onto the print head and that way it can just jam the filament directly into the melt zone and get things printing faster um, if i pull up my test data i think what i had uh, let me let me just pull this test data up so i can provide some actual numbers here make it less of a theoretical discussion I can get into it while, and uh, that's a good idea of just fully redoing the hot end with something custom printed could be a good upgrade because the big thing I've run into when trying to push, push more hot plastic is you got to cool it back down with more cooling power. And so if you put a custom hot end on there, a whole little frame there, you 3d print, you can put some bigger fans on there and thus have better cooling to go with that better heating. Yeah, I know on on just about all the sites like Thingiverse and and um, 
I can't even think of the printables.com and things. Mm-hmm. They they all have a lot of Ender 3v2 upgrades where you can mm-hmm. just print something out and it'll actually take the motor from the Bowden setup and allow you to put it as a direct drive. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just one piece. Uh-huh. And it just sits right right on top of the, the hot end. And yeah, the, um, nice, uh, the nice thing about that upgrade path is you don't have to buy anything really. Yep. Yep. Maybe just mm-hmm. a couple yeah. screws. And uh, they also have a lot of stuff where you can upgrade the, the, the parts cooling also. So you just mm-hmm. print stuff out. There's a lot of stuff out there. And You're it is a, uh, uh, the, that feels like the face of the printer is your hot end moving back and forth. And it's the easiest way to customize it and make it your own to pick which color you want, pick which design you want, print it out on your own machine. Um, I feel like the ones where I replace the hot end, I have a... Uh, spiritual connection with that printer because you've truly made it something it doesn't look like a stock ender from creality anymore it's your printer um and so i have a connection with my printers that i've done like that yeah i have the same thing and that's probably why i have such a hard time getting rid of them yeah but eventually i gotta put them down because they're not useful anymore when i have like 10 or 20 yeah, I know. I know. I'm going to talk about woodworking again, and I, I know how much you hate that. But every time I build something and I put like you know 100, 150 hours into, yeah. into the physical build of something, I feel like I've given birth, <laughs> and I just don't. I, I don't want to let it go. I just don't want to let it go. But you know, it's it's a customer piece, and I'm you know I gotta I gotta sell it and. It's, it's hard. It's really hard sometimes. So do you have your numbers there, Nathan? Yeah, I have my test data. So um, I had a stock Ender 3 V2 that I just did some flow rate testing on. And I basically found that you can print up to 16 cubic millimeters per second before the extrusion rate starts to, to drop off significantly. So, I mean, that's pretty fast. Do you have um, that in millimeters per second type so the equivalent millimeters per second for that would be would depend on your layer height because Mm -hmm. you basically have to calculate some stuff there but i can do that what what size nozzle is that that you're using that was with the stock completely stock setup with a 0.4 millimeter nozzle okay um and that was just an extrusion test where we're seeing that the plastic is coming out the end of the nozzle I'm not sure if that would translate into a usable part because sometimes you can be extruding the plastic through, but it's not being melted fully and it'll have like a solid core in the middle that um, can cause Mm. issues when you're trying to print fine details. Uh, Doing math live on air is is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't. It's it's very exciting to listen to. Right. And then I divide. I can hear. I can hear the clacking of the keyboard. It's 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 so exciting. That's that's great TV. (laughs) Well, Um, I'll save those numbers for later. But um, basically, you know, I I would usually upgrade to a um, direct drive extruder and put a CHT nozzle on there, and that should get you up to thirty cubic millimeters per second, which is Way you're, more talking, than, yeah. you're talking about the flow rate, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so once you get flow rate, that allows you to 
lay down a lot of plastic really quickly. And then after that, you're going to have to figure out how to cool down that plastic. So mm -hmm. at that point, you'll need to upgrade your part cooling. Usually put like a bigger fan on there. The most common one that people like to install is a 5015 fan. That's yeah. 5015. And that just refers to the dimensions of the fan. It's like a little blower fan that just injects cooling air onto the area where you're printing. Mm -hmm. and it helps solidify everything as you're going along. You've got the, the, the hot end in the nozzle. You've got more uh, volume coming out of it. So that means you can lay it down faster. That means your print head can move faster. You've got the direct drive, which again, will help inject the plastic directly into the hot end without a lot of BS going through the Bowden tube. What's next? Is, let's say, you know, one of the specific questions he asked was the, the main board. So yeah. um, that's got a, that comes stock with a 32 bit board in it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how fast it is, but upgrading that to, let's say, uh, one of the big tree tech boards or the BQ boards, is that really going to be an advantage to him? Personally, I would say no, but I'm curious what everyone else has to say about it. Yeah. yeah, I would say no. Um, in general, it's a lot of effort for you're probably not going to get any benefits out of it unless there's a feature you want on a different control board. Or if your main board breaks, then I would replace it with some third-party one. Uh, but in general, it's a ton of effort to do, and you're not going to get much results. One thing, yeah. if you are running into issues of some older control boards or just control boards in general might not be set up well enough or fast enough when running Marlin. Um, I found this one trick this week of turning off power loss recovery. So it is a gamble of if you do lose power on a large print, I might not do this. Um, but you put in the command, I put it into the, in the slicer, you can set up your starting G code and you put in the line M413 space S0 will disable power loss recovery. So I got this big IDEX printer, which was trying to do so much on it. And so it would pause a lot of times when it was switch nozzles and then pause for a little bit. And that would make a little blob on the print. And so you just turn off power loss recovery and now it prints way better. Um, so if you are having issues of it pausing or skipping, instead of putting in a new control board, maybe do that. Yeah, that's a nice tip. And did you just tell me that you can disable that just using G-code? Yeah. I okay. just have it in the start G-code. It runs that line and turns it off. That's really nice because um, as far as I knew, the only way that I knew to do it was to like recompile the firmware and update the, the, the firmware on the machine. So being able to do that through G-code would be a pretty big upgrade. Yes, yeah. And I like that method of putting it in at the, I think you could send that command and then save it to save it to the memory inside the printer some way. But I like this way of manually putting it in that way. If I was printing something large, I would probably not use that for the risk of losing power. But yeah. as far as the main board goes too, there's a lot of extra features on main boards 
you know, let's say like the 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 big tree tech was it the SKR three mini something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot more I/O on it. In other words, you can hook up a lot of other things to it that you can't on the stock board. You know, I think there's like extra fans and there's different types of displays and things like that. It's not going to make the machine go any faster, though. However, it might give you some extra options to help you go down that path. Yes, no, maybe. Right. I think what JJ said earlier was kind of answers that question because he's saying that you don't need to upgrade your control board unless you have a specific feature that you want. Let's say you've got the stock control board and you want to put an extra fan or an extra stepper motor on. Like you want to have like a five stepper motor system when most most control boards only have four, then you might need to upgrade your control board. But if you've got the stock control board and you've only got four stepper motors on there, then there's no problem there. All right, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Or a uh, auto bed leveling. I'm just looking at the Ender Three V Two. I realize it doesn't have auto bed leveling. I don't think. Um, yeah, so um, the Ender 3 V2 doesn't come with auto bed leveling, but the uh, most modern um, boards that it's shipping with have a plug to install a bed mm-hmm. leveler. So it's one of those things where they're like, hey, we're going to make this easy for you to do, but you have to buy extra upgrade parts from us because we love making money. Yeah, and then, of course, we've got to flash the firmware for it to be enable and route the wire up through it yep. in some weird confusing way myself i really like having automatic bed leveling yeah i mean i can do it with the little thumb screws but it's still i mean it's just at those points and mm-hmm. when, if you when you run clipper and it does the the mesh bed leveling these beds are not flat at all yeah and just because it's level in the corners doesn't mean that the middle of the, or you know an inch from there is going to be at the same plane as the center in a corner. Um, mm-hmm. There is dips and and you know hills and valleys in the board, no matter what you do. Um, yeah, I feel like auto bed leveling allows you to use that full build volume, and without it, I can never get things. If it sticks in the middle, it's not going to stick on the corners. Or if it sticks right. on the corners, it's not going to stick in the middle. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed is if you don't have automatic bed leveling and you're trying to print something that covers the whole print surface, you're going to have a really hard time with that. So usually I end up just printing with this tiny little like circular area in the middle. So you have this larger print print area, but you're not able to like take advantage of it basically. Mm-hmm. So it's as if you have a smaller printer. So why not just buy a smaller printer to begin with? Yeah. 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 I, I agree with you. Uh, most of the time I'm printing stuff. It's just one piece. And it's not that big. The what I really discovered automatic bed leveling and that it was actually working before I had Clipper. I could watch it laying down the first layer, and I could watch the 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 Z motor screw actually mm-hmm. turning while it's laying down the first layer. So I know it's compensating for those hills and valleys in the in the machine. That makes sense. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I have a Ender 5S1 that has automatic bed leveling and you can see the screws turning, but it doesn't have the right mesh loaded or they did their math incorrectly or something because it's not getting the perfect first layer that you should be getting. 
when you have mesh bed leveling. So, I mean, you would hope that it works, but some companies' implementations are better than others. So that's a software thing. Yeah, I think I think uh, Creality's firmware has some software issues. Okay. There's, I do like, the one thing, uh, the mesh bed leveling on the Ender 5, I like that it's a separate part of the menu to run mesh bed leveling instead of it running it every single time. Um, on some printers that it runs every single time. Sometimes you don't need it every single time. Um, so I found that to be an interesting yeah. implementation that I like. Okay, so back to Xavier's question. So we've, we've talked about, you know, replacing the stock hot end. Control board is a no, unless you have a specific need for some of the outputs mm -hmm. on it, right? It's not going to make the board go any faster. Now we're going to tackle the, the gorilla in the room, which is clipper. So on Marlin, you can just crank up the speed by telling it to go a higher percentage. I've never done that on, with Marlin. Is it like an incremental thing, like 1, 101, 102%, or does it go up like 10% or 20% at a time? Um, it goes up in 1% increments. It does. And I use it all the time. It's pretty handy. Okay. Okay. Um, I know with Clipper, you can just punch in any number you want, and it just mm -hmm. does it. Um, and I was in Marlin, I always do it in the slicer instead of doing that percentage-wise set in the slicer tell it exactly i want it outer walls at 80 millimeters per second or 85 um, instead of fiddling with that percentage thing no i know the ender 3v2 most of the, the the stock profiles are printing mostly at 40 to 50 millimeters per second hmm. um it's not a, it's not a super fast printer so, yeah. what, and what also a thing I, I, I think people don't realize, and I, I learned this, I wouldn't say I learned this the hard way, but I learned it, is that we talked a, a minute ago about making smaller items on your printer. And when you make smaller items, just because the printer is capable of going faster, it's not necessarily going to print a lot of those small items super fast. And I don't know what the limiting factor is on that, but it's something I've noticed. So I can crank up the speed to 200%, let's say. Right. And it doesn't cut the print time in half. It may take five minutes off a two-hour print. Right. So I think what you're running into there is an acceleration-limited print. So when okay. you have a lot of small, fine details, the print head has to change directions a bunch. And um, there's limits in your in your printer's firmware that prevent it from reaching its maximum speed. So um, you're going to have to turn up your acceleration rates, which is really difficult to do in Marlin, I've found, versus in Clipper. Those settings are very accessible, and you can experiment around and see exactly how high you can go. Now, can you do that in the soft, not, not sorry, software, but in the slicer settings? Can you increase acceleration? Or is the, is the software still going to limit that no matter what you put in the slicer? Yeah, the firmware will be your limit. If you, tell, if you slice it at 5,000 millimeter per second squared, if the firmware says 1,000 is our limit, then it will just hit that 1,000 limit. So yeah. the, 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 the software is always going to be, for lack of a better term, the, the governing authority on everything. Yes. It's the final say. Yeah, it's going to override the, that stuff. 
It's going to be the cop with the speed gun waiting at the side of the highway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, that's a, that's a, that's an important thing to know when you're you're doing all this stuff, and it's like, okay, I want to speed my print. I want to get my print speed up. What's what's limiting me? And yeah. if it's the software and the slicer both, it's something you have to look at. So you were saying it's very difficult in Marlin to raise that acceleration limit. I've found uh, totally as printer dependent. Some printers allow you on the menu to do the Ender 5S1. There's a menu setting in the settings to change your firmware limits. Okay. And so you can go in there. And I did. I ramped them all up a bit to uh, what the advertised limits should be. And so I bumped it up. Which is? 2,000 millimeters per second squared. And I can't remember what the speed was. But it bumped them up a bit from what they had stock in there. Right. Okay. It's so like maybe they, that's sell why you, so <laughs> they sell you the printer advertising one speed and then they limit it to a lower speed. That seems yeah. a little odd. Um, so one thing that I don't hear a lot of people talking about, which I think is actually kind of a big deal when it comes to achieving higher print speeds with these kind of stock machines is um, when you install a larger diameter nozzle and you're printing acceleration limited, you're actually able to reach higher print speeds because you're having to change directions less often. So for example, if you have a 0.4 millimeter nozzle and you're laying down a solid layer, it just goes back and forth in that diagonal line over and over again, like slowly sweeping over to the other side, kind of like you're filling in a, a drawing with a crayon. Um, it has to change directions, say, 100 times to get to the other side of the part with a 0.4 millimeter nozzle. But if you double the diameter of the nozzle to a 0.8 millimeter nozzle, then you'll have to change directions half as many times. So when you look at that in context of being acceleration limited, you're actually increasing the speed at which you can print by two times. Okay. I, I know that I played around a lot with the nozzle, the the layer height, the line width, things like that, and that, and I, I usually have on on all my machines, I put a, a 0.6 on it, and I print typically at a 0.3 layer height, which of course will print faster because it's building faster, um, and I also on I've got another setting too that I did a. a save the profile for where it, it prints at like 0.85 millimeters for the line width or something right. like that. I call that, that over extruding. What's that? I call that over extruding where you're extruding past the diameter of the nozzle. Okay. Yeah. And I, I did that and I still didn't, I didn't have any problems with under extrusion or the, the, the extruder skipping or anything like that. And that really, it didn't, I wouldn't say it increased my print speed. It decreased the print time. Mm -hmm. Those are two different things. Right. Yeah. So if you're looking to, to decrease, I, th I think everybody looks at printing faster as not like a, a game, like you treat it, Nathan, how fast I can go. Right. And how much volume, how much volume I can push out the hot end. Yeah. Most people are looking for just, I don't want to have a six hour print. I want to have a three or a four hour print. You know what I, I mean? View, 
I view printed objects as a cup and the nozzle is the faucet that's trying to fill the cup up. <laughs> and the faster you can get the water out of the, the nozzle, the, the better you're gonna yeah. you're gonna be able to do it. But then sure. you get into issues with print quality when everything's not cooling off fast enough and it's all sagging and drooping. So what I've found is that the stock printers, the way that they're set up with a 0.4 millimeter nozzle and the moderate print speeds, that lends itself to very successful and high quality printing. So when you start messing with that optimized formula, you come into all sorts of issues. So um, that's why this whole thing about 3D printing modding is it's a whole journey because you do one thing and it affects another thing and you're, you're trying to get that quality back. But really, I think if you just want to print stuff and have it be high quality, just go with the stock settings. And if you want to double your print speed, one of the easiest ways to do that is to buy a second printer. <laughs> That, that well, yeah, I, I, I can dig that. Um, anyways, I, I think there's there's a lot of, of things that can be done, and um, let's let's talk about Clipper and why. You know, we talked about it in the last episode. We talked a lot about Clipper, and I don't want to have a, a forty five minute discussion on Clipper, but I think it's important that we talk about it in the context of Xavier's question, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. how do I increase my print speed? So I know Clipper fairly well. I'm no, not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I am more familiar with it than Marlon. I know, JJ, you are way more familiar with it than I am. So, JJ, yeah. specifically, how would putting Clipper on this machine, other than the things we just talked about, what would be the advantage to putting Clipper on his machine that would help him increase speeds or decrease his print time? Mm-hmm. I think a big part of Clipper unlocks customization to it. Um, of if you want to get in there and tinker and change things and really make it your own, Clipper's great. For speed wise, it takes all of the processing power off of your printer's main board and puts it on a Raspberry Pi or some other computer, which is going to be vastly faster. So all those quick accelerations, quick speeds up, turn speed down, changing directions quickly, it's going to be way better. So on the software side, you're going to be way better. You could still be hitting those physical limits of your printer if it can't heat fast enough, if it can't cool down fast enough. Um, So there's things it can do and there's things it can't do. (laughs) So that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. So... Let's say, you know, we'll put, I'm going to put you in this situation where you've got an Ender 3 V2. You've just upgraded the nozzle to the CHT nozzle that mm-hmm. Nathan talked about. So, and we've put extra fans on it so we get better part cooling. So mm-hmm. we're all set to lay down more plastic. Specifically, what would you do in the settings of Clipper to increase speed on the printer? What would be your first thought on that? I would just run it because it kind of, it just does, it speeds it up for you. And so you go in there and you set your, you can run some tests to find out what your maximum acceleration before gears start skipping and missing steps on your motors. And then you can just print quickly on it. It kind of takes, it being there is all you need to print fast with it. 
Yeah, I know on the Clipper documentation website, it actually has a whole process you can go through Mm, to, you know, figure out your extrusion rate, do the pressure advance, which is going to help your, the quality of the print. And then there's, of course, the acceleration, which is, uh, what's that called? Linear, linear, what's that? What is that? Where you put the accelerometer on it? Oh, that's uh, input Input shaper. Input shaping. Yes. Um, Yeah. That'll help also. For sure. Which measures the harmonics of the thing, Mm -hmm. um, which is actually kind of cool. It's a lot of fun to watch it do all that. Um, But it has to be done correctly. But if you do all those steps that they have listed, I think that you you can start going in and increasing your speed, not only in the software, but also in the slicer. Yeah. It's a right. lot of testing and tuning because I'm going through mm-hmm. it on a printer right now and just sort of remembering how much testing and tuning there is to it. So for someone who wants to make 3D printing a hobby and wants to dive into all the nitpicky tuning to really optimize things, I think Clipper is an amazing way to learn a ton about your printer and push it to all those exact limits for it. But it is yeah. technical. Like, um, I don't want to make it sound like it's you'll have it done in a few hours and your printer will be flying fast. It's like, no, it could take a couple of weeks of yeah. work and it might not work in the end. It might, uh, you might have some issues or your control board burns out or issues arise. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, and, yeah. and I just want to remind our listeners, if they're listening to this episode, go back one episode in our, in our catalog to the last one. Uh, this is episode seven. This will be episode six. And we have a, a full hour discussion about Clipper. We talk about a lot of this stuff. So I don't know if we need to rehash all of it. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, the documentation for Clipper tells you step by step exactly what to do. Um, sometimes it's hard to read. These are engineers writing this stuff. So you have to be, you have to have the right mindset. But once you do all those steps, you should come out with a better print and be able to accomplish those higher speeds. Now, JJ, you we talked very uh, shortly about your KPS five printer. That's a, that's King Rune, right? Yeah, King Rune KPS three. Yeah. KPS three. I'm sorry, KPS three. Yeah. And you said you did a lot of mods to it, and it's really mm-hmm. flying. Yeah. Tell us what you specifically changed hardware-wise on that printer to get those speeds that you're talking about. So hardware-wise, it's now fully linear rails um, because it comes stock with the Z and X linear rails instead of the roller wheels on Mm -hmm. V-slot extrusion. And so I just put some linear rails on the Y and the company sells a kit for that. Yeah. Do Do the linear rails really make that big of a difference? They, as far as speed goes, can they go faster or is it just more accurate? I think it can go a lot faster because it constrains your motion a lot better. Okay. Um, so it keeps things moving in a straight direction. Right. Um, and then I've re- replaced the glass bed with a PEI coated bed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that makes first layers go down a lot better, quicker. Yeah. Uh, auto bed leveling which lets you cover the entire print surface. 
I put a CHC, which is, is a ceramic heater on there from Triangle Labs, um, and it heats up in 45 seconds, you'll get to 200 Celsius and start printing really quick and can melt prints very quickly. And I put a 0.6 millimeter nozzle on there, a big mm -hmm. nickel plated copper nozzle. So it can really melt plastic now. Now I'm running into the cooling issues side of things. Did you change anything on the fans? No, it's still yeah. stock fans and the stock direct drive extruder that's on there. Okay. Um, if I was going in, if I was going a step further, I would replace the whole hot end with a something a better extruder and better fans on there. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that it's pretty good to start with. Um, then the rest has been software side. Cool. I, I do have a question for Nathan. <clears throat> you still there, Nathan? Yeah, I'm. I, I'm, uh, I'm here. <laughs> Good. Uh, we we just touched on it briefly, but linear rails. What are your thoughts on linear rails versus the V or the roller wheels? Does it make that much of a difference? And I know you because I'm asking you because you're a mechanical engineer, mm -hmm. right? Um, well, I would say linear rails. Um, they're not going to make that much of a difference if you're printing slow. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't have that be a first upgrade. But if you're running into limitations with the the roller wheels, then it might be something to worth worth looking into. What kind of limitations would there be with the roller wheels? Do they not move um, as fast as a linear rail? Well, like JJ was saying, they uh, they don't constrain the motion as well. So there's like a little bit of flexibility built into the wheel system, mm -hmm. versus if you have those linear rails they're um, holding everything in place a lot more rigidly. So that means that your printer will do a little bit better in terms of its resonance performance. So like when things start shaking around, it'll be held together a little bit better. Um, but if you, if you haven't installed Clipper and you're not pushing high speeds and accelerations, then they wouldn't offer that much of an improvement, okay. which is why you tend to see them on like kind of faster machines. Sure. So the constraining the, the path of it over a, a certain area is going to give you more accuracy in the print. It's not necessarily going to be able to move faster, but it's just going to be doing it better. Right. In theory, yeah, it'll be more, okay. it could be a little more accurate at speed. So like when it's changing directions rapidly and there's those inertial forces and things might be wobbling around a little bit having a linear rail is going to be a little bit more solid. It's, it's kind of like when you bolt two things together, they're hold, they're held together really rigidly. And if you think about the, um, the rubber wheels or the Delrin wheels that are usually installed on your printers, it's like you're bolting two things together, but you're putting a little pad of plastic in between it. So yeah. there's always going to be a little bit more flexibility in that joint because of that. And those wheels do wear out. I have right. had to replace a couple of them here and there. You look at them and they're just like all ragged and tattered and you wonder why the, the head isn't sliding smoothly anymore. Right. Um, I've seen that a couple of times on my printers. I like um, I, I don't, oh, go ahead, JJ. Oh, I feel like I've been anti-roller wheels since my first printer I ever bought was a cheap one. And on installing it, uh, I needed to slide the wheels onto an aluminum extrusion and it nicked one of the wheels. And so the print had a bump in it. So every like time it would roll around, <laughs> it would create a bump in the print. And the I was like, why would I do this versus getting some uh, linear 
rod, the roller ones. Right. Yeah. It seems like the roller wheels, their advantage is that they're cheaper mm-hmm. and I guess possibly easier to assemble. Because if you get a linear rail, that just the linear rail itself costs like a couple of dollars mm-hmm. versus the roller bearing. Like if you just get a regular uh, setup with those Delrin wheels, you can create an axis that's a lot cheaper. Now, on some machines, you know, like specifically the, the, the Prusa and now the Bamboo Labs are using rods mm-hmm. yeah. with bearings on those. And Bamboo uses carbon fiber rods on their X-axis. Right. So um, I believe their carbon fiber rods have brass bushings on them with graphite inserts, which is hmm. a unique hardware choice among 3D printers but it's probably something that's been seen in other industries before, but it is a good choice. And I think it's part of what makes that machine so successful at attaining high speeds. Is there an advantage to the linear rods versus we, well, we've talked about speed. We're talking about speed here. So we've determined that the linear rails at a higher speed are definitely an advantage is are let's compare linear rails to the rods let's say like on the prusa or the bamboo <clears throat> are they pretty much equal is what does one have uh, better characteristics than the other what's the pros and cons of each i guess right well the mechanical choice of between the two is um if you're designing a system to use uh the rods they can rotate around the rod. So you need to use two rods and two bearings to hold something in place versus the linear rails. You only need one rail and one block to hold everything in place. I think um, the rods are less expensive because they're just Mm -hmm. easier to manufacture. So even though you have two of them instead of one, like you would have with a, a linear rail, then it still ends up being a little bit cheaper. Plus, there's a lot of advantages to having two linear rail. Like um, on a, on the Vorons, they use two linear rails, one on the left side and one on the right side, and that's actually over constraining the system, which mm-hmm. you're basically building in unnecessary amounts of mechanical constraints, which has its own set of consequences. Like if you get deep into mechanical design, you can start looking at that stuff. But if you're just, if you're using two linear rods, um, that's more of an ideal system. That is probably what I would choose if I was designing something. Yeah. And for them, either in either, in either circumstance, whether you're using dual linear rods or dual linear rails, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, they have to be perfectly parallel for them to yes. operate properly too. So that's another thing. It's the, the, <clears throat> there's a, a limiting factor because of the, how well those are tuned and how parallel they are to each other. They have to be coplanar and everything else. It's got to be very, very perfect for them to work properly. Yeah. Correct. And, and usually those are calibrations that you make during assembly. So mm-hmm. like in practice, what you'll end up doing is moving the uh, gantry all the way to one extreme and tightening down the rails on or rods on that side and then moving it to the other extreme and tightening them down on that side. And then like 
the actual thing that's sliding on those rails or rods is what's acting as the spacer. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like, um, it's just uh, the order of operations matters and that mm -hmm. kind of sure. thing. And what, more what, difficult to, to yeah, get what do you right. Think, JJ? In general, just more difficult to get right, which is this all comes back to why people use or why companies put wheels on their printers because right. that little bit of rubber have... will bounce it all out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's got a little bit of cushion in there to account for misalignment. And it's cheaper. So, <laughs> we can all, so we can have all these features and still make it under $200, which is the magic number, it mm -hmm. seems lately, for a lot of these machines. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's some issues with using rails and rods as well, because they have their own set of downsides. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. they have to be lubricated and mm -hmm. um, they can rust if they're in a humid environment. So, I mean, really, there's no perfect hardware choice. And if there was, it'd be insanely expensive and mm -hmm. priced out of the budget 3D printer category. Yeah, I, I know. I, I look at my my uh, big CNC machine, which is a very large, I wouldn't say a consumer, but it's not, it's not industrial either, but it's a pretty big CNC. And everything is dual linear rods on it. Not linear rods, linear rails. So the X, Y, and Z, everything runs on two rails, not a single rail. Um, and that thing moves pretty darn fast. And it's very, very accurate. I've, I've measured a couple things on it. And it's, it's within three or four thousandths of an inch for most things. So um, anyways... Yeah. I'm getting off topic. Because doesn't need it a sounds lot. Sounds more of... like guys' machine shop, not guys' wood shop. <laughs> I got a little bit of everything in there. Um, so you just recently got, or I should say, you have recently received. Pardon my bad English. Um, a Bamboo Lab P1P, correct, Nathan? Yep, I just got it. I've printed two things out on it so far, or three. One of them failed, which uh, I'll talk about in the, my video. Okay, so you don't want to talk about it now? Well, I can talk about it now. I mean, you don't I, have I'm, to. You don't have. No, to. I want to give the I want to give the <laughs> podcast fans a sneak peek. Okay. So, well, what's your first impressions of it, and what what failed on your print? So, um, the setup process was a little bit more complicated than I thought it would be. You know, I've had printers where you take them out of the box, you set them down and you pull out the padding material and you can basically start printing with them. With this one, there's a couple of things I had to bolt onto the side. I had to undo some screws and do plug in some wires and stuff. It wasn't um, like a lot of work, but it was more than what I was expecting based on how people have been talking about this machine. What wires did you have to plug in? Um, I had to plug in the little LCD screen. Oh, okay, yeah. Which it's like, yeah, I know that's like kind of a small thing, but it's something that if they designed it a little bit differently, they probably could have attached it before they shipped it out. Yeah, that's a good point. That's Plus good I point. had to plug it into the wall, which was a huge pain. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh man. Send it back. Didn't, it's trash. Yeah, it didn't come with a white glove assembly service. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a, a little bit of stuff to do, which, you know, I, I think... I might have bought into the hype a little bit too much of people being like, oh, you can just take it out of the box and print with it. But it took me 
probably 30 minutes to set up, maybe 30 to 40 minutes to set up. And then it yeah. has to run its calibration. So realistically, it's about an hour before you can start printing mm -hmm. with it. And um, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. And compared to my Ender 3s, I actually got myself down to the point where I can put an Ender 3 together in under 30 minutes. So, I mean, that's not that's not a typical experience, but I would say it's no it's no faster to assemble than other competitively mm -hmm. um, built 3D printers. In See, fact, I like, what, yeah. But I, I took mine. All all I had to do was just remove the packing material and take out some screws, and that was it. I yeah, was printing in 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, you got to put the screen on and then put the uh, the spool holder on. Yeah. To do that stuff. Okay. One yeah. difference, it sounds like between these two, between an Ender 3 and this one, is uh, how technical your assembly has to be. Because I feel like on a lot of uh, i3 style printers, how well you do that assembly process will affect how well your printer will print. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there was no tuning. So in mm -hmm. terms of belt tension and like making sure the bolts were tight, I didn't do any of that with the Bamboo Labs. So it's definitely a higher standard of quality and assembly uh, like rigor than what you get mm -hmm. on other 3D printers. So what happened with your print that failed? So it comes with about... 20 pre-sliced models on the printer, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool because it's like wow. not everyone wants to figure out how to learn how to use a slicer as soon as they finish putting their printer together. So it just lets you have some fun with it. But I started a print and then I increased the speed to ludicrous speed because I wanted to see <laughs> what that's all about. And it started, uh, it was laying filament down, but it, the filament wasn't sticking to the layer below it. And it was just kind of dragging and making a mess. And then the print eventually started running into stuff and ended up failing. So um, that was kind of, I wasn't expecting to have that kind of experience with the printer based on, again, what everyone's been hyping this printer up about. Like everyone's just saying like, oh, it's this super awesome printer that you can just press the button and hit go and everything works. But what might've been happening there is they sliced it for a specific set of conditions. And then by me turning up the speed to a higher speed, it kind of like started running into some issues there. I would expect it to limit itself in terms of speed. So it doesn't get to a point where that kind of failure is happening. Yeah. What I was going to say is that for listeners out there that don't have one of these printers, you said ludicrous speed. It starts at a, 100% speed, and there's four settings on it. One is normal speed. There's also a silent mode where it goes a little bit slower. I think it goes down to like 80%. And then there's a sport mode, which will go to 124% speed. And then there's ludicrous speed, which is, I think, 166%. Is that correct? I haven't looked into the exact numbers on that, but that seems right. Yeah, that's what shows up in the slicer. Okay. When you set it using your computer or the, the app on the phone. So I was changing show that number. I was changing the speed on the app. So I was like turning up the speed on a model that was 
already sliced. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's, that model was set up to be kind of a showcase print that already had the speeds turned up really high. And then by further increasing the speeds on the app, it went into like unprintable territory. It went into super ludicrous speed. <laughs> yeah. And it was printing very fast, even at the base mode. So like it's already like two or three times faster than what I would be getting on a typical printer. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to turn it up even higher, and it, it got to the point where it couldn't keep up. Now, do you have the extra fan, the extra part cooling fan that's a that yeah. ships extra? Yeah, I pre-ordered. Um, so part of the pre-order benefits were like you get these uh, a fan and a camera and stuff. So that'll allow me to add those upgrades on later. I haven't put it on yet because I wanted to see what the base machine was like. Okay. It's fair enough. Um, and I'm not sure if that fan would have actually helped in this scenario. It To me, it seemed like the plastic wasn't melted enough to fully extrude and stick to the, the plate. So, um, yeah. But I, I've had mine for about two weeks, and I have printed a couple models that came, you know, pre-sliced with it, with the PLA they sent me with it. But since then, I've only printed ABS and I've printed, I've got probably maybe 50 to 60 hours of printing time so far. I've got like one or two more plates to do for the Voron I'm building and it's all ABS. And I am getting, I don't have an enclosure. It's in my garage, which is like 50 degrees but I'm using the, the cardboard box that came in as an enclosure and I'm putting over the top. It actually keeps the heat in pretty well. I've had a couple failed parts because they've warped a little bit on the bottom and I've got to reprint them. Other than that, it's been rock solid. I mean, I never expected it to be perfect, but I mean, it's doing really well. And I usually wait till it's about halfway done and then I put it up into the sport mode. I've had very good success with it. A couple things I don't like. What don't you like about it other than what you just mentioned, Nathan? I had a quick question yeah, before yeah. we get into that. Uh, is that a PEI coded bed? Yes. That, that you're printing that ABS on? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and part of this is like, I could have, I, I recognized that it wasn't going to work and I could have like slowed it back down <laughs> immediately after seeing it struggling, but it's kind of like, uh, is, is anyone here watched the office? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. There's an episode of the office where Michael is like anti-technology and the GPS tells him to take a right turn. So he like <laughs> throws the steering wheel to the right and drives into a lake. That's almost like what I'm doing here. Where I'm like, I don't like this fancy new printer. I'm going to drive it into the lake. So it's uh, it's actually a very good printer. And like it's already performing at a speed that's way beyond what any other printers that I've gotten for review have been able to do. So the fact that it can't do an extra 66% speed on top of that isn't really that upsetting. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. There's a couple little things that I don't like in the software, not in the, in the slicer that you, it won't work on there, but the, the, the slot, the slicer actually works very well. Um, I haven't had to really change any of the settings other than just, you know, what the, the, you can choose the nozzle type, the, the build plate, 
and of course the the layer height in it and then there's a bunch of other settings obviously it's a pretty full featured slicer but i haven't really changed any of those settings um and it's printed very very well it prints really hot uh the abs is coming out at 270 which is wow. really hot i don't know what the PLA the pla is coming out at like 230 i think yeah it well really when you print it up when you're printing at high flow rates, you need to overheat the nozzle a little bit because it doesn't have the full amount of time to get up to temperature. So you kind of just like shoving it through there. Like, and, uh, one of the consequences you have to have the temperature set a little bit higher than you would normally. Um, one of the things that I actually really like about the bamboo labs printer is that they don't have an affiliate program. As far as mm. I know, have they offered yeah. you guys a affiliate link stuff so no. all of these opinions that you're hearing from people aren't to try and boost sales so they get a cut this is all people's honest opinions of like hey you know this printer really is different it's something new and it's good for the 3d printing industry so i'm i'm kind of glad to see that they haven't done affiliate links yet um the other thing that i really like and, and one of the things that that that, that helps a lot with the uh genuine factor of all these reviews you see is I've been, I've been in, on YouTube for a very long time and I've, I've done a lot of product sponsorships in my, in my day, well, well into the hundreds of times, well over a hundred times at least. And almost everybody has some kind of, I don't want to say agreement or contract, but they, they ask you to do certain things. Um, Bamboo Lab asked nothing. They didn't say you've got to make two videos or one video or this or do that. They just said, here, do what you want. And I thought that was very unique. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've ever had people say, you know, well, we want to review your video first to see if it's positive. Yeah, uh, those those reviews... <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't pay any attention to people that talk like that. I mean, your product should stand on its own two feet. I, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. But the nice thing about Bamboo Labs, they've never, they never, they didn't ask any of that. It was just. Mm -hmm. With mine, they were like, we'd love if you make some shorts with it. And if you want, you can make a long video or not. And yeah. so I was like, wow. Oh, okay. It's like, very refreshing. They were like, we do want you to let us know if there's issues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was their one thing that they said they do want is just feedback and that's just a personal email back to them. Like, yeah, I think they're, they're very responsive to the, mm -hmm. the, the people that are reviewing this and they, they do listen because mm -hmm. they change a lot of things. We were just talking before the, the show started about their privacy policy. They made a statement about that. And uh, as I said, I think that shows that they really care about customer service and the people mm -hmm. that they're, they're dealing with out there. Yeah, one thing I was wondering about that, of how the their slicer works, of could you use your own slicer? You could use Cura, slice a G-code, load that SD card, and still be able to print something that's not sliced on their slicer? I haven't got to that point yet, but no. um, maybe that's something you can check out when you get yours, JJ. Yeah, I will. Yeah, it's a, it's a, they're using the same base code that Prusa Slicer uses. Okay, yeah. And, but they've changed a lot of it. 
and it, I think it works really well. I've been very happy with, with how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't save the files as G code. It saves them as three MFs. Oh yeah. And that's what it sends to the printer. That works. So what would you think if Creality came out with a copycat product that was like basically the same thing as the Bamboo Labs printer? It depends. Yeah. Depends on if it's good or not. Yeah. I mean, it probably won't be good in knowing their track record, but, <laughs> but I, was... I'm looking forward to the copycats. We'll see what happens. I mean, what they've made is pretty impressive, but now that other companies can buy one and get their hands on it and try and reverse engineer it, Hopefully we'll see some of those innovations being rolled over into other products. Yeah, I don't think they've done, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think Bamboo Labs has done anything new as far as the technology. It's just how they've packaged it and fit it into a price point in the market. I think right. that's what's what they've really done that's impressive. They've taken all the features and the technology that's usually found in very expensive printers and they've made it affordable. Yeah, JJ. I feel like the the firmware is the one unique thing that they've done. I think that they're not using Marlin, they're not using Clipper, they're using their own firmware there, which is something I I don't know of any other company that does that. So I think that's a big uniqueness that they've brought to the table. Yeah. Um, I think like they're what you're saying guy is that they're not really doing anything new they're just doing it better mm -hmm. yeah it's and kind they're of doing like it a, better and they're they're hitting a, they're hitting a price point they're hitting a you know that magic six to eight hundred dollar price point at seven hundred dollars with the p1p yeah well once we all get our ours running um once you know all three of us have had some time with it i'd like to talk a little more about it but I, overall i'm really impressed and it's kind of like a mastery of industrial design because to get that price point down, they have to use different materials and different manufacturing processes. Um, and I think they've done a good job with it. Okay, good. Well, I think we're going to wrap that up for now because we've been mm -hmm. talking very heavily for about an hour. So <laughs> we could go on for a lot longer. So, um, I just want to say we really need questions and participation from the listeners. So make sure to go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page and ask us. And Nathan, if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, just hit me up on YouTube. Nathan builds robots. So yeah, I'll be releasing my P1P review pretty soon here. Okay. And JJ? And I am just on YouTube as well. You can find me at JJ Shankles on YouTube. All right. And my name is always is Guy Dunlap and you can just Google my name and all my stuff comes up there. So thanks so much, guys. And uh, we'll talk at you in a couple of weeks. All right. Bye. Bye.